Hello, love, and welcome back to another episode of Wild, the podcast. I'm your host, Logan, founder and creative director of Wild Branding Co., where I specialize in womb work for brand expansion and soul expression. I'm so excited that you're here. I'm trying something new this week. So I want to rekindle my uh, presence on YouTube um, while also rekindling and maintaining my presence on the podcast. So I have decided to kind of do this podcast vlog hybrid (laughs) where I'm just going to record myself doing uh, the podcasts. And if you would rather watch, then you're welcome to watch on YouTube. And if you would rather listen, then you're welcome to listen on, uh, you know, Anchor or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, So we're just trying this, not making any promises that it's going to be the new normal around here, but we're going to give it a go this week and see how we like it. So I am really excited to chat about this week's uh, topic because I, I know it's something that I personally have struggled with extensively. I know it's something that girlfriends of mine struggle with also. And, um, I also know that it's something that's not really talked about, at least not in, you know, the mainstream culture or anything like that. Not that you want to listen to the mainstream, Um, but it's just something that there's not a lot of talk around. And because of that, it can feel really lonely, um, really isolating. And uh, if you're like me, it can create a lot of guilt and shame. So I'm really excited to chat today about rewilding motherhood, specifically uh, how to kind of move through our monthly cycle, our monthly rhythm, our menstrual cycle and infradian rhythm while also doing motherhood. <laughs> so I have my little, what is this called? Feminine cycle latte is what it's called. Um, but it's this herbal latte full of herbs that are nourishing for our bodies throughout our entire menstrual cycle. So I'm going to be sipping along with this. I'm going to invite you to have a cup of something cozy, um, whether it's a tea, a coffee, or you just want some water or something like that, especially if you're here with me on YouTube, like let's just sit back and hang out. Like we're girlfriends chatting over a cup of coffee and let's talk about what it's like to be a mom and a cyclical cycling embodied woman, because that shit is hard. Like that shit is really hard. Um, motherhood has definitely been, uh, my biggest, my biggest initiator in this lifetime. And I think it's significant that I, you know, did it back to back to back three different times. Looking back now, I don't think my last two children would be here had it not happened like that. I think I probably would have stopped after two. So the universe, the goddess, she totally knew exactly what the fuck she was doing when she triple initiated me into motherhood. And, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's, uh, expansive. It's challenging. It's beautiful. And, you know, it's just, I was not prepared for motherhood. Like I, I don't think anyone really is, but I, I just wish there was, there were more people talking about the realities of motherhood, right? When you see the depiction of motherhood in mainstream media or pop culture or anything like that, like, yeah, you see the occasional, you know, trial and tribulation, particularly with like uh, the terrible twos. So you see it like in the toddler phase and then you see it with the angsty teenagers, but there's this lack. And I guess you can't really capture it truly, Um, this lack of representation of just like the emotional 
uh, what even words do I want to use here? It's like, it can just be really, really fucking hard emotionally. (laughs) Right. And if you're a mom and you're listening to this and you know, then please like, tell me I'm not alone. Tell me I'm not crazy in this. Shoot me a DM, something like that. Reach out and let me know that I am not alone in this. It can just be really, really challenging. Um, especially, you know, as your children grow and they go through these different leaps and developmental stages and learning, I'm so grateful that I started my own internal kind of healing and learning how to, how to nourish my nervous, my nervous system and, you know, hold myself. I'm so grateful. I learned how to start, I started learning how to do that stuff after I became a mom, but it really, really has sank in, um, you know, after these three back-to-back initiations into motherhood, I kind of started like dipping my toes into it after I had my first almost 10 years ago. And then, um, five years later, I really kind of dove into it head first. And I I'm grateful that I at least have the awareness that all of these tools and resources existed. Otherwise I think motherhood would have been a lot darker for me than it already was. And, um, you know, it can just be really hard and it can feel really lonely. Um, so I want to provide a little bit of, um, hope and maybe a little bit of guidance, uh, for any moms who are just in it right now, you know, who just are feeling really, really challenged by uh, the experience of motherhood. And just because you're challenged, just because you you feel like you're struggling physically, emotionally, energetically, doesn't mean you're a bad mom. Just means you're a human being uh, trying to navigate your own emotions and your own humanness while also trying to cultivate that of another human, maybe even multiple humans. So I want to first invite you to give yourself grace before we dive into any of today's content. Just give yourself abundant grace and recognize how challenging what you've undertaken as a mother is, but also how sacred it is. Like this is such a sacred gift that we've been given by God, goddess, whatever language resonates best with you to be able to create and nurture and birth and sustain life. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's one of my favorite things about being a woman. And, um, so just taking a moment, you know, to give yourself grace, but also to have deep, deep reverent gratitude for, you know, the, the co-creative power that is within you. And that has allowed you to usher little souls into this realm. Like that's a big fucking deal. And it's so cool while also being deeply challenging, it's still so fucking cool. (laughs) So let's kind of dive into some content. So the first idea that I want to bring to your mind is this concept of matrescence. Um, And if you're not familiar with it, it's essentially adolescence, but with motherhood. So it's this new initiation um, from one kind of phase of womanhood into another phase of womanhood. So while you're in your reproductive years, um, before you enter motherhood, obviously it's just this shift and it's just this change. And if you are a mom, then you understand like having a child completely changes you on a cellular level. Like it literally science has shown that it, it, it does something to women's DNA. It completely shifts it. And, you know, so, so that shift is happening, but then there's also this, like, uh, our, our moral compass and our values also drastically shift as we go from this very me centric experience of life to this 
outward centric experience of life where we just like, we literally have our insides on the outside. Now and we have this tiny little human that has grown within us that we've shared blood with that, you know, it, it's literally a part of us is now on the outside and everything changes. Everything changes very similar to the way a young woman's body changes as she enters into adolescence and early adulthood, entering into her um, reproductive years with her, her first bleed with menarche. So um, the difference between this and then the, the final transition will be into menopause, right? So we have adolescence, we have matrescence, and then we have menopause. So, you know, there's, there's quite a bit of support when it comes to adolescence, right? Uh, there's quite a bit of support when, when it comes to menopause, uh, still not nearly as much as there should be and there needs to be, but quite a bit more uh, when we compare those two shifts in womanhood to that of matrescence. Um, there's very little support oftentimes because uh, the energy and the support gets turned to the baby, right? Everybody wants to see the baby, everyone wants to hold the baby. And in doing so, they forget to see and hold the mother. So motherhood and especially this transition, uh, this experience of matrescence, that's why it can feel very lonely at times because, you know, we've just undergone this huge energetic and physical and emotional and spiritual transformation but we're not receiving the support that we need to usher in this new phase of existing, of being, right? Whereas in the past, um, you know, culturally speaking within tribal communities and indigenous communities and things like that, mothers were supported, right? Mothers were held, mothers were supported. And uh, there was really much more, I hate like repeating the same words over and over again, but the word support is just like, that's going to be a big theme of this episode, guys. Um, there was just a lot more of it available because there was, I think there was a greater reverence for motherhood in, in, at that time. And in those communities, there was just a greater, um, reverence for motherhood because there was a deeper understanding of the feminine, right? This is when womb consciousness was higher. Um, people revered the womb and the Yoni gates and womb cosmology and all, all of these things, you know, there was a, a reverence for the feminine. There was a reverence for the womb. There was a reverence for birth and life and death and rebirth and all these things. It was built in, woven in to the fabrics of these cultures. And it's just not now. Um, our culture has lost a lot, <laughs> maybe not all, but a lot of its connection to these, you know, womb ways and you know, the mysteries of the feminine, uh, those ties were severed a long, long time ago. And so I personally believe that this experience of disconnect that we feel during matrescence is a, a direct byproduct of that, right? Um, because there's not the reverence and and the honor of, of the feminine anymore. You know, of course she gets shit on. <laughs> of course, you know, everyone forgets to hold the mother because they're too busy holding the baby, which then, you know, again, leads to feelings of, of, deep, deep loneliness and isolation that can then carry on after this fourth trimester and into just, you know, the overall experience of motherhood. So matrescence is a very, very important transition in a woman's life. And, um, you know, if, if you're already a mother and you've kind of, you've already passed, um, the season of matrescence, uh, I would encourage you to go back and reclaim that. Uh, in some way, in some ritual way, some ceremonial way, it doesn't have to be anything big and huge and elaborate or anything like that, but just a way to honor that version of you that made such a huge transition 
in your beingness as a woman and who wasn't seen in it, who wasn't held in it? Can you go back much like we do inner child work? Can you go back to when you were a new mama and give yourself the love and the support that you needed then and potentially heal that part of yourself and that part of your experience of motherhood? right? Um, I guide women through something similar for uh, their first bleed for minarchy um, because there can be a lot of shame and fear and embarrassment around that time in a young woman's life. So reclaiming that and kind of giving yourself this rite of passage that you may not have received when that actually happened in your life real time can be a really, really powerful way to reclaim um, your relationship with your body, with your menstrual cycle and with the essence of your femininity. So doing something like that from matrescence can also be really, really helpful and supportive. <clears throat> so all of that to say, uh, you know, in the cultures and in the times when women were receiving more support during matrescence and this shift into motherhood, you know, it was also understood that women didn't mother alone. Women were never made to mother alone. We were always meant to be in community with other women and other mothers, right? Which only adds to, because that is ancestrally ingrained in us, like our ancestors, that's how they lived. That's how they mothered. And because the remembrance of that exists within our DNA, we long for that as women, but our culture, and I won't get into this in this episode, but our culture intentionally separates women and that separation is debilitating. Whether we realize it or not, it is debilitating because again, we are made to mother together. We are made to exist in community with other women, but we don't anymore, largely, right? Like ancestral living was communal living. And, you know, in today's society, uh, what, like five, 10 years ago, well, even up to like just a couple of years ago, the whole expectation was, uh, that a woman have a career outside of the home. And then she comes home and she is this present mom and she's this superhuman and she cooks all the meals and she does the homework and she does the laundry and she, she does all of the things wildly present, right? Who the fuck knows where the dad is in this, in this whole equation, and, you know, so that was the expectation, you know, not too long ago, but recently it's kind of shifted. Um, and as more and more people, at least I've seen this within my community, within the context of my community, people are shifting to, um, you know, having businesses within the home, right? Like mothers working from home, starting businesses and, you know, building your girl boss empire and all of these things. And now, you know, because women are working from home, the expectation is that they can also keep their babies at home and then they can homeschool and they can do all the things. And you know, while it looks different, while now it seems like a more holistic approach to womanhood, to motherhood, to life, um, it's really the same expectation. And that is that women do it all, whether it's having a career outside of the home and then coming back and being superwoman, or it's, you know, having a business, building a business or having a side hustle in the home and then also homeschooling and then also taking care of the home. The expectation is still Women do it all with very little support. And that's the reality for a lot of women, you know, across the, across the globe, I was going to say across the country, but across the globe, just women, you know, feeling the pressure of needing to do it all and specifically needing to do it all alone, because God forbid you ask for help, at least in me, when, uh, you know, the, the trigger that kind of comes up when in the past I've, I've worked through this a great deal 
the trigger that would come up when I thought about asking for help was that I was needy, that I was a problem. Um, and if I was needy and a problem, then I'm going to be left behind. Like he's going to leave me. I'm going to be abandoned because God forbid, I don't want to be a stage five flinger. So I'm just not going to ask for any help. Right. Right. So, and, and that's, that's, that's how we get to where we are, right. Of, of feeling the burnout, of feeling the depletion, of feeling the, the constant pressure of needing to do it all and be it all and wear all the hats and it's exhausting. Like it's exhausting just speaking about it here with you, just thinking about it. Um, so, you know, the biggest takeaway, and we're going to dive into, you know, specific ways to mother during each phase of your cycle. That's where we're headed. Um, but the biggest takeaway aside from those, those bits that I'm going to share in a little bit that I want you to receive here is this invitation to receive support. And I know that can feel really scary for women, right? It can feel really scary. At least that's been my lived experience. It can feel really, really scary to think about asking for support and then receiving the support. Because again, it triggers that abandonment wound, wound for me. If I am too needy, if I ask for too much, then I'm just, I, I am a nuisance. I am a burden and he is going to abandon me. Like that. And that is a, a very primal and a very visceral feeling in my body. I can feel the lump forming in my throat now just talking about it because of the, the fear of being left behind is so just, it, it's just deep within me. I, I don't even know where it comes from. I don't have any personal memories that I'm aware of, of being abandoned. My parents were present in my life. Like, so I can only assume that this is something generational that I'm still carrying within me but it's, it's very scary. And it was something that I had to kind of overcome. But now in this season of my life, knowing what I like having the awareness and knowing what I know about the need for support in womanhood and in motherhood, knowing, understanding the need for us to live communally, communally and be in sisterhood with one another, like just knowing that and understanding that we have been robbed of that. It eases it eases that part of me. It's like this balm. It eases that fear within me of abandonment because it, it reminds me, no, you're not supposed to do this alone. You never were meant to do this alone and you don't have to. Right. And we can get in a whole nother conversation about getting in partnership and relationship with supportive partners. Um, you know, moving through relationships with partners who, you know, you're deeply in love with, you're connected with, but they struggle to give you the support that you need. Like, how do you navigate that? Like, those are conversations for other, other episodes, other podcasts, things like that. But a big key to um, healthily uh, navigate menstruation for me has been learning how to receive support, whether from my partner or from outside sources or my parents or my community or whatever, even an iPad, <laughs> even an iPad can be a source of support, Right. So just learning how to receive support in motherhood has been pivotal. And if that is uh, unstable ground for you right now, then just know that application of any of the things that I'm going to suggest moving forward might be hard. Like you might be like, what the fuck, Logan? I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. So that's where you would need to begin. You might be able to apply a couple of things that I'm going to suggest, but more than anything, you're going to have to learn how to receive support. And that. I could do an entire program on learning how to receive support on, you know, nourishing your nervous system on 
healthy boundaries, on cultivating a great sense of worthiness, on reconnecting to uh, your sacredness and your holiness as a woman. Like it is literally like an entire, like a whole thing. <laughs> so I, I understand that I'm simplifying this. I understand how complex and how challenging it can be to receive support, right? So I get that, but just know that it is vital not just because you want friends or whatever, you want a day off, but because that's literally how you're hardwired as a woman, as a human, you are hardwired to do this with other women, right? So number one, biggest takeaway support. Are you currently receiving support? Do you need to receive more support? If you're not receiving support, how can you begin to take strides towards allowing yourself to safely receive support? Just some journal prompts for you. Okay. So let's move into the four phases of your cycle and, you know, how to, how do we navigate motherhood during these four different phases of our cycle? And if you don't know, uh, your menstrual cycle is so much more than your physical bleed. There are four different phases of it. Uh, the, your, your bleed actually starts the cycle. So day one of your bleed is day one of your new cycle. And then you go through, uh, you know, five to seven days of menstruation. And then you go through five to seven days of your follicular phase. And then you go through about three to five days of ovulation and then about 10 to 12 days of your luteal phase. So, um, and each different phase of your cycle, um, first of all, your hormones are doing something different during each of those different phases. So it literally makes you feel different. It changes your brain chemistry up to 25% over the entire course of a month. Um, it impacts your metabolism. It impacts your stress responses. It impacts your, uh, your gut microbiome. It impacts your, um, immune system. I don't know if I said that or not. Um, but it literally impacts every uh, major system within the rest of your body. So it is so much more than a five to seven day window where you bleed. Like it, it's literally your entire life all day, every day is impacted by your menstrual cycle and the infrading rhythm and your endocrine system. Okay. It's huge. <laughs> it is huge. So we're going to start with your follicular phase. Okay. So how do we approach motherhood in the follicular phase? Well, your follicular phase is your internal spring, all right? So think about how you like to show up for life in springtime, right? It's just now spring here in the U.S. And um, I know I'm feeling just like, so just like open. It's like this opening and this blossoming and it's like this big, long stretch after a big, long winter's nap. And I'm starting to want to feel and move and open right? Like that's what springtime feels like. And that's also mirrored back to us during the follicular phase of our cycle. We're open to new experiences. Um, we're, we're beginning to kind of our, our hormone levels and our energy levels are starting to rise again after menstruation and, um, new experiences, novel experiences are actually way more pleasurable for us during this particular part of our cycle. So in terms of motherhood, your energy levels are starting to rise again. So keep that in mind. And some things that might be fun to do with your kiddos during your follicular phase, maybe you go and visit a new park or a new museum or, you know, go and take a walk down a new trail you've never gone to. Just think about all of the things, the new things that you would like to experience with your children. Um, this is the perfect time to do that. 
also the perfect time to schedule play dates with new friends. Um, try new arts and crafts projects, try new games. Like literally new is the name of the game during your follicular phase. So how can you engage that? How can you really amplify that? And how can you really, really make that an enjoyable experience for your kids? Right. Um, this is I want to do another episode specifically about like sex and intimacy and relationships and things like that. So I'm sticking specifically with motherhood here, but um, this is also a great time in terms of your relationship with your partner uh, to try new things here, whether it's in the bedroom or you want to try a new restaurant or something like that. Just really, really focusing on expanding your horizons, broadening your experiences, opening yourself up, recognizing that your body and your mind are primed to really, really enjoy things like that during this part of your cycle. I'm also, um, well, no, I was going to say, never mind. <laughs> Take that back. Just kidding. Uh, but that's, those are some suggestions that I would have for your follicular phase. Just try all of the new things, try all of the new things, plan all of the new things for your follicular phase. Okay. After your follicular phase, you're going to move into ovulation. Ovulation is when your estrogen is going to peak. All right. So it's at its, it's, it's at its highest level, which means your energy levels are, are at their highest, right? So you're feeling really, really good. Uh, this is when we get that goddess glow going because of the extra estrogen, um, our, our energy levels are heightened. Our communication skills are heightened. Our desire for collaboration is heightened. So, uh, you are primed physically for more energy intensive activities. So maybe you can take your kids on a bike ride, you know, during ovulation, or you guys go hiking or, um, you know, just something that's going to be a little bit more energy intensive because you know, uh, that physically, and energetically, your body can support that right now. This is also a great time if your kiddos do go to school uh, to schedule parent-teacher conferences because your communication skills are heightened during this part of your cycle, right? So it's a great opportunity to have those challenging conversations with um, with teachers or, or caregivers or whoever's in your child's life. It's also a great time to have more challenging conversations with your children. You know, if you need to talk to them about that YouTube video you caught them watching or you know, whatever you want to talk to them about, you know, anything, anything, if there's, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like uh, a conversation with negative connotation. Maybe you want to talk to your daughter about, you know, her coming minarchy, right? Maybe she's getting close to that age. You want to go ahead and have that conversation and kind of prepare her for what could be coming. Um, it's just a great, great time. Like I said, communication skills are heightened during this time. So it's a great time to do that. Um, this is also, uh, if you don't really have kind of your, a quote unquote village, um, but maybe you have one or two friends locally or something like that, this is a great time to offer a, a kid swap, um, with you taking your friend's kids. So maybe you offer to host a sleepover or something like that, because again, you have the energy for it. So I would recommend doing that. Maybe you and, you know, a neighborhood friend you set up to have a kid swap where you take the kids one week and the other takes the kids the other week. And this would be your week to take the kids during ovulation, right? Um, if you have birthday parties coming up or something like that, birthdays that you want to celebrate, try and do it during your ovulation window. Of course, if, you know, that's way off from when the actual birthday is and it's not possible, no big deal, but bonus points if it is, and you can go ahead and schedule it and do it now during ovulation, again, when you have the energy, right? So think about things that are going to amplify the fact that you already have, you're primed for energy intensive activities, right? So take advantage of that. All right. The next phase is your luteal phase. 
Um, and the beginning of the luteal phase kind of mirrors ovulation and the second half of the luteal phase kind of mirrors menstruation. So I typically tailor my activities based on that. Um, and I just tune into my body's energy levels day to day because they can change so much during your luteal phase. Your uh, estrogen is going to plummet, but your progesterone is going to kind of go up. It's going to, it's going to hit its peak during your luteal phase. So you have like <laughs> literally like this weird situation where your hormones are kind of going in opposite directions, which is what can create uh, kind of the emotional imbalances that we can tend to feel during uh, this part of our cycle and why, you know, the premenstrual phase gets a bad reputation because so much is going on hormonally and physiologically within the body. So I always suggest to support the body similarly to the way we support it in ovulation, uh, kind of the first couple of days of the luteal phase, and then gradually make your way into showing up for life similarly to menstruation. Um, this is a great time to prioritize housework and any kind of administrative tasks. So if you do like meal planning, um, meal planning is also really great during the follicular phase. So maybe you want to do meal planning twice a month. Uh, but meal planning, uh, any kind of organizational um, administrative tasks are going to be great. I get like so much laundry done during specifically the second half of my luteal phase, because so the what the brain is doing during this part of the luteal phase and this part of the cycle is preparing for menstruation. Right. It's preparing for menstruation <laughs> or. Uh, ha if fertilization happened during ovulation, it's also preparing for that possibility. Right. Either way, it is preparing to create uh, an environment where you are going to need to rest because your body is going to be doing something that is very, very energy intensive, whether it's growing a baby or it's releasing for menstruation. So the whole idea behind the luteal phase is to prepare you physically, emotionally, energetically to be able to rest in the next phase, whether it's your first trimester or it's your next period, right? So, um, Think in terms of that with your mothering, uh, your energy level is going to be still pretty sustained at the start of your luteal phase, and then it's going to gradually start to wane. So if your kiddos are still wanting to, you know, be, be out and, and doing things and socializing with friends and stuff like that, then schedule that for the first half of your luteal phase. And then as you move closer and closer to menstruation, start to kind of taper that off, encourage them to do more independent play. So maybe you get uh, like my kids love Play-Doh and sidewalk chalk and stuff like that. So during the middle and then the second half of my luteal phase, I'll encourage a lot more of that play, a lot more independent play, um, block building, um, you know, things like that. So anything where, you know, they don't need as much of you because you're going to start to need more of you, right? As you move closer and closer to menstruation. And then once you hit menstruation, um, this is when I would recommend doing uh, games and, and activities that do not require your active participation. And some of my favorites are like scavenger hunts. So I'll tell my kids, okay, go in your room and find me three things that are red. And they'll go in their room and find three things that are red. They'll bring them back to me. And then I'll say, okay, go put those where they belong. So this is specifically really, really helpful if their room is a mess, which nine times out of 10, my kid's room is a mess. Um, so I'll tell them, okay, go and put those in the toy bin, then bring me three items that are circles, right? And so it gets their little minds working, right? Because they're, they're looking for red things and then they're looking for circles and then they're looking for purple things and, you know, back and forth, all of these things. But simultaneously, they're also like cleaning up their room. So I don't have to go in there and clean it up later. 
right? So kind of pulling double duty there. A uh, doctor is another fun thing or holistic medical practitioner, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, but letting like you lay down and they perform surgery or they give you a massage or something like that. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm using air quotes around all of this. Um, so you just basically lay there <laughs> and you let them play on you. Right. Uh, so that's really great. Hairdresser is another one. My kids love to like brush my hair and put it in quote unquote braids. Cause they're not real braids. They don't know how to braid. Um, that cannot, that one can also get a little painful. So be careful. Um, but just anything where you can re- literally just sit there <laughs> and be a present body in the room without having to exert any energy is great. Right. And this is going to be really, really supportive for your energy levels during this part of your cycle. This would also be the time to let your friend, your neighbor friend, take the kiddos, right? Going back to that idea of the kids swap. This is their week to take take the kids for the night, right? And you get to stay home and have a bubble bath and rest and all the things. Um, During menstruation, I'm also just going to put a plug for uh, increasing your self-care practices. So one of my favorite practices to do while I'm bleeding is the first three days of my bleed. Every single morning, I normally work out. I, I give myself about an hour for a movement practice. Um, but during the first three days of my bleed, I don't move during that hour. And instead I'll sit in meditation for a little bit longer, or I'll journal for a little bit longer, whatever, just to create an extra window of time for self-care. So during menstruation, do that. See where can you fit in, you know, those extra little moments, maybe skip your workout and do a little meditation, skip your workout and take a really long, hot shower, skip your workout and take a bath. Um, you know, in anywhere where you can kind of fit in a little bit extra self-care time during menstruation is always going to be a win. So those are going to be my recommendations for mothering during your menstrual cycle. And the last thing that I really want to say here is to communicate your needs. One with your partner, when I tell you that my husband understanding my menstrual cycle, knowing what where, where I was in my cycle and what was going on with my body, it has completely changed our dynamic from the way we parent to the way we socialize to the way we have sex. Like it, everything's changed because he understands that while he's primed, pretty much to do whatever he wants to every single day. My body works differently. My brain works differently. And I'm primed at different points throughout the cycle for different things to feel pleasurable. So we work kind of in tandem to support that. So communicate your needs with your partner, right? Let them learn about your body. Let them learn about your cycle, If they're anything like my husband, they're going to love it. They're going to eat it up and they're going to really, really appreciate the opportunity to nurture and support you a little bit more because that's what the masculine wants to do. The masculine wants to nurture and support and protect the feminine. It's just been distorted by our, by our mainstream culture. So communicate your needs with your partner. And also if they're old enough, communicate your needs with your kids. My oldest is nine. So she gets it. Like she knows when I'm bleeding, she knows you know, I, I, I communicate with her. My, my two toddlers also know, but they don't understand what it means. (laughs) Um, so if your kids are old enough and if you feel comfortable with it, then communicate your needs to them too. Even if it's just something like, you know, mom's energy is a little low this week. Can we do something else? Right. Um, that way, you know, you're getting in good practice with communicating your needs and setting those boundaries and your children are also witnessing that, which is so huge, right? Like at this, uh, when they're at these young stages, young ages, they are just little sponges and they're absorbing it all. 
So if they see you pushing through, then that's what they're going to learn to do too. But if they see you intentionally living in alignment and walking in sacred union with your body, honoring your cycles, honoring your bleed, honoring yourself and your needs, that's what they're going to learn. That's what they're going to absorb, right? And that's going to create a ripple effect for generations to come. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. So I hope this episode was supportive for you. Um, I hope it was helpful. If you're feeling the call to dive even deeper, then I'm going to invite you to join me in Wellspring. It's the program that I'm launching right now. It's a 13 day deep dive into cycle syncing 101 and an introduction into the healing feminine arts. So essentially what we're going to do is spend 13 days together diving into you and your sacred body and your sacred vessel. So you're going to learn absolutely everything you need to know about your menstrual cycle. Um, why the disconnect, like if you are currently feeling the disconnect between yourself and your body that the vast majority of women are experiencing, if you harbor a lot of shame and resentment around your period, um, if you look at me like I'm a crazy person with 18 heads, when I tell you that your womb is the source of your personal power, then I'm going to explain why you feel the way you feel, why, why you feel like that right now, what created the disconnect, what has created the divide between women and our bodies and our holiness and our sanctity. And then we're going to talk about how to, um, like reestablish that connection with ourselves. Um, and we're going to talk about how to nourish ourselves, mind, body, and soul, um, similar to kind of what we went through here with motherhood, but within the context of wellspring, we're going to talk about it, uh, in the context of food movement, sex, and money. So I'm really, really excited. Um, if you're ready to, to learn, th this is fundamental awareness for how to walk in sacred union with yourself, with your body by honoring your cycles. And ultimately it's when I tell you that every single area of your life is going to be expanded and amplified in doing this work, I am not exaggerating. There is not a single area of my life that hasn't benefited from me walking in sacred union with myself and my body. It is night and day difference. My stress levels are like, <laughs> I have plummeted. Um, I experience a greater level of bliss and of presence and of peace. And it's just, because it's also teaching you like indirectly, it's teaching you how to nourish your nervous system because you're walking with your body instead of actively fighting against it, which is going to nourish and bolster your nervous system, which then is going to make you more of a magnet for all of the things that you desire. So this work is it's, it's huge. It's all encompassing and it's holistic. But for, you know, the purposes of a sales page, I have to simplify it as cycle syncing 101 and introduction to the healing feminine arts. But really it's a way to amplify your experience in every area of your life as a woman. And it's going to be absolutely incredible. Our kickoff call and opening ceremony is Feb not February. This is not February. <laughs> it's April 11th, 4 11 at 11, 11 a.m. Eastern standard time. There will be replays for everything if you can't make them live. And we'll be meeting live at that same time every single day for 13 days, except for weekends. So it'll be April 11th through April 28th. And there's a bonus day um, for our closing ceremony. So 13 days of active content and then a bonus ceremony on the 28th. And you'll have live, uh, live access to all of the calls, obviously, and then lifetime access for all the replays. Um, there's also a Voxer chat for ongoing support and communication, integration, um, all of that good stuff, and the opportunity to... Uh, take it to the next level and get some one-on-one -on -one time with me. So it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. This is the doorway. This like learning about my menstrual cycle was the doorway to 
where I am today, which is, you know, really helping to awaken the womb consciousness within us all throughout the collective. So uh, it's very, very special to me. And I, I feel really honored to share this work with you. So I hope to see you inside of Wellspring. You can grab the link uh, to check out the sales page and all the details uh, in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast and here in the video notes if you're watching me on YouTube. But thank you so much for joining with me today. I would love to know, did we like this vlog situation? Do we like it? Did you like seeing my face? I don't know. I liked it. Okay. It was kind of fun. It made me a little more... Uh, what's the word? Like paranoid, like I, not paranoid, but I just had to like be, I, I had to think more about how I looked <laughs> um, versus when, you know, I'm, I'm just recording on a podcast. It doesn't really matter, but I kind of liked it. And I like the idea that it's going to be on YouTube and on the podcast. So I think we're going to keep going with it. I think we're going to keep with it, but I'll definitely let you know in the future. All right, guys, I love you so much. Thank you so much for being here and I'll catch you next time. Bye.